And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, we're excited about what, what Kellen has done, and uh, we're going to give him an opportunity. Stephen said it earlier, you're always looking to help your football team. Uh, player evaluation, player acquisition is 365 days out of the year. So if anybody can help us in any position, we're certainly looking into that. Foles isn't an option. Why not? Well, we got we wouldn't get him any snaps. We got four that are going to get the snaps. Any more proven than what you have, though? Uh, that's just what it is. We know folds pretty well. Just another game, right, Nick? Yeah, just another game. We're very blessed. Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. Underdogs no more. The Philadelphia Eagles are the Super Bowl champions. It's a tradition that never fails. Jerry Jones taking the microphone in Oxnard to kick off training camp for the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy was there. Stephen Jones as well. Had a lot to say. We've got a lot to break down on this episode of About Them Cowboys. Welcome in. I'm Kent producing for The Athletic, and you need to sign up for The Athletic, theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. Make sure you lock in your subscription because we're going to have some pretty incredible coverage coming from the one and only John Mashoda and Bob Sturm covering your Dallas Cowboys this year. So do that. Get the cheapest price possible at theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. But I'm welcomed by three of the best of the best when it comes to covering America's team. Two of them are on the scene in Oxnard. Dave Hellman from Fox Sports and our own father, John Mashoda, are out there. And of course, at the helm of this whole thing, it's Kevin KT Turner. Hey, KT. Hello, guys, and uh, great to see you. I am a little jealous of the uh, 65 degrees, uh, at least 70s. Uh, but enjoy it. I'm very happy for you as well. Um, a very eventful I'm, hour. I think it's too cold. <laughs> too cold? <laughs> it is. Shut up. I'm not I'm joking. Sure. I think it's too cold. No, I love it. I'm hood- I, b- I brought like eight hoodies on this trip, and I'm going to wear them all. Oh, I miss hoodies. I know. Um, well, it was a good hour of uh, kicking it around with Jerry, Mike, and, and old Steve. For the state of the team address, a Cowboys tradition like none other, which started on a down note where Jerry kind of looked back at some of the people. And it was like like a lot of death happens, right? And it can all kind of like the news cycles are just so fast of getting older. It was kind of crazy that he just kind of rifled off like 10 people that all happened in the same year. Um, Obviously, Marilyn, his old secretary, was the one that got him choked up. But when he started putting like Dan Reeves and Rayfield Wright and all, and all these guys, like he was just kind of rifling them off a list. I'm like, God, there really was. But then it was when we got to Larry Lacewell that um, he made a comment that was uh, unfortunate, but also just very Jerry. 
Number one takeaway of the press conference, John, we'll start with you. That he had this piece of paper with stuff written down and it lasted nine minutes before anybody even got to ask a question. And I guess it can be looked at as a good thing and a bad thing. A good thing from the standpoint of like he had these thoughts that he wanted to get to because he wanted to touch on certain things. So that's obviously uh, probably good for him. So it kind of keep him somewhat on point because that nine minutes without a piece of paper could have been 25 minutes for all we know. So um, it just was interesting that he, along with the stuff that you said, he wanted to mention the people that, that had passed um, and that, that he knew and then other people associated with the media. But then the other two key p- pieces of that are that he wanted to really put out there uh, his backing for Mike McCarthy. He wanted to make sure everybody knew that uh, the support he had for Mike. And I'm sure we'll be talking plenty about that. But then the other thing was that how he wanted to make sure, Hey, everybody just, Hey, we didn't want these guys back. It, we're the Cowboys. If we want somebody, they stay. We no longer wanted these guys. And and that just is so like, okay, really like Dave, Dave doesn't work for, for the Cowboys website anymore. So we can talk about this. The team website put up a thing that said Randy Gregory was back. Okay, dude, don't tell me that you guys didn't want Randy Gregory back. He was almost, and this isn't a, oh no, we're not even make him an offer. You could sell me better on that you didn't want Dalton Schultz back because you're like, hey, we'll franchise tag him. We'll be out here in another year, whatever. Uh, There's not like a lot of back and forth there in terms of a a, a negotiation. They wanted Randy Gregory back. He should have just kept it to Ari Cooper and Lyle Collins because when he did say that about their availability and that factored into them not being back, okay, that I can see because there are certain things with both those players where those are some knocks on them. I mean, heck, you look at you look at uh, Lyle Collins right now and he's on pup to start uh, their camp and and hey, Randy Gregory, same thing in Denver. So there is some truth to that. I just found it really interesting that like you could have worked that in on any answer, but that was one of your main to- talking points you're going to come up there with, like. Like we're sitting here anyway, like if all three of those guys would have come back that it's just like, oh yeah, no Super Bowl favorites now. It's like, yeah, I think the team's better on paper with those guys, but it's not like, it's not like they just lost Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. And he's trying to tell us, well, we just ready to move on from those guys. That was our decision. It's like, all right, man, like, like I said, this could have been addressed at some point later in the press conference, but he wanted that known immediately about these, about these, these three individual players, because, Hey, let's be honest. Most Cowboys fans look at this as those are the three main pieces that you subtract from last year's roster. And then the pieces you add don't seem to add up to what you lost. Yeah. I think you can, um, you can kind of wrap everything up that statement. And you're right, John. I mean, that was the big takeaway. That's what I wrote about today is like, Jerry got up there with an agenda of like, I'm going to hit these points. Like I'm tired of hearing y'all whine about these two things. Like I'm high, I'm tired of hear, hear, hearing people say I'm going to fire Mike. And I'm tired of hearing people say that we got like so much worse than, than we are with, with these three players gone. And on top of that, it just highlights for me anyway, like just what a brutal off season this has been for the organization. I mean, you, you touched on it, KT. I mean, it's, it's been a devastating year in terms of like who they have lost from somebody like very close to Jerry, like Marilyn love um, the longtime receptionist at Valley ranch, miss Jeanette. Then you go through the list of players, Marion Barber, Rayfield, Wright, Dan Reeves, Don Perkins. Oh, and by the way, there have been scandals too. I'm, you know, whether that's, you know, whether that's with the front office 
or or the fact, I mean, we spent a decent chunk of today talking about whether Kelvin Joseph's going to be available because of what happened with him and the murder investigation. Like, it has been brutal. Like, if you write it all down on a piece of paper, it'll take your breath away. And I almost felt like Jerry was trying to, like, take back control of the couple things that he could take control of. He's like, okay, it's been a bad year, but, like, these two things get off my back. Like I didn't want these guys anymore and I'm not going to fire Mike. So just shut up about it. Um, yeah, but yeah, said, just... I, I'm sorry, David. He, like he, when he said three people though, like it's what John said, something that, that caught my ear is what he said. Like Randy Gregory, we almost had him back. Like, if he would have just said two people, it would, it would have felt like a little more authentic because the two people were very, very clear. It seems uh, that who it would be, but he said three, and it was the three big losses, right? We know they are Randy Gregory, Lyle Collins, and, and Amari Cooper. But it's like, man, I don't know, man. You tried to get one um, and almost did. Like, so but you know what, though? Like, this, it just kills credibility, you know? I, I would say that is probably a def- – and, and you, I don't disagree with you, but I think that's a defensive reaction. And you kind of heard that stuff going around, depending on who you talked to back in March – like we all love Randy Gregory. He's a talented player. He's great with the media. Um, but when that backlash started to hit the counter argument to that was like, did we, did we just let freaking you know, DeMarcus Ware walk out the building? Like this guy's played 50 career games and has like 18 career sacks. Like I do think there's like a defensive attitude from the Cowboys about like, yeah, maybe we wanted to bring Randy back, but, the backlash of him leaving suggests that he's a way more accomplished player than he is. You know what I also I found was was really rich about that uh, is the whole um, availability thing. He really pushed on how we need the availability. You know, it's it's we, not I, in the NFL. Availability, availability. I kept hearing about this availability. Kind of made me think back to that's the way Jerry kind of disguised his comments when he was asked right after Amari missed those two games, you know, and with him not being vaccinated, he had said some of those, you know, we check eye at the door, things like that, where, so he was kind of bringing some of those back, which obviously shows you that, yeah, he was not pleased that Amari did not get vaccinated. Like most of the guys on the team did, but I just have to say, I have to say this because it just, it's not, it's hard for me to cover this team and hear him say things like that. And you just look at some of the players that they continue to draft. We'll just point to what they do in the second round. Do you really care about availability? Is that really that important? Is that really that important? Because sometimes in the second round of the drafts, like, I don't know, the most recent second rounds, I don't know if those necessarily are the guys that you're just like, well, we know these guys are always going to be here. There's no, there's no issues here. This will be fine. Here we go. Like, so it works here because you didn't resign those guys or you traded Amari or you let Lyle go. So it's a great story for right now, but let's not act like the Cowboys are really about availability as like their number one thing. Like you could say with some other of the top organizations in the NFL. And dude, not even like just recent drafts, like, like take it back four five, six years. Like even Leighton Vanderash, who was a first runner, but had injury questions, you know, coming out of college. Jalen Smith, obviously, that speaks for itself. But because like, it's like the of, Kelvin Joseph thing, real quick, Dave. Like yeah. Dave, met, met, you know, we talk about that real quick. I just like, okay, so he's cleared by Dallas PD. We all know from covering this team that means nothing in the eyes of the NFL. 
Nothing. Like just because he's cleared from that doesn't mean he's not going to get suspended. So where is the availability when that happens? I mean, frankly, we're at the point right now where I think you'd have to be surprised if he doesn't get suspended at all for any for for conduct detrimental to the league. So it's just like I don't know this the whole like pushing the availability narrative. Like I just I just felt like it was really convenient today. I also, and I mean, I mean, we all, we know that they were frustrated with Amari not being vaccinated and missing those games. And to be fair to them, they lost both of those games. Like that was a big turning point in the season. They didn't have Amari against the Chiefs or the Raiders. They lose Lamb halfway through the Chiefs game. So like their receiver core was decimated for two crucial games, largely because of Amari's decisions. But just for the record, Amari missed two games in his Cowboy career. Those two games. He pulled himself out of the Jets game in 2019 after three plays, but he suited up for it. So we'll, even being generous, we'll throw that Jet get, Jets game in there and say he missed three out of what? Like 60 career games with the Cowboys? Like, come on, man. That's that's a little... It's, I mean, it's fine to be frustrated with him, but come on. Yeah, the Amari one is the one that 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 probably annoys me the most out of all of that, just because you have the cap space. He could still be on this roster right now. And then you have just so many question marks at wide receiver. And even if you you, you were angered about him missing those two games and maybe plays and individually in the games, whatever. Okay, cool. Then 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 pull him out of the game. Don't give him as much playing time in, in, in some games when he's being that way. And then that will give you your chance for these other receivers to come up and get more playing time. If, if that really bothers you that much, but it's just, you're so thin at wide receiver as it sits here right now to sit there and get on him about that. I don't know. I just, I guess that just me personally, I just, I don't know. I kind of roll my eyes at that. It's, it's just frustrating. You're six and one at Halloween of last year. What got you beat last year was your offense. And that's what's kind of the bummer. And then you let that, okay, whatever. But uh, let's play Let's play the clip too. Cause you said he walked up with the notes and talked for 10 minutes first to kind of control agendas. Can't let's play the clip where he defends uh, Mike McCarthy right out of the gate. Speculation. Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, for me, uh, uh, it's. I was quickly reminded that we won 12 football games. We uh, obviously didn't get to the result having won those games that we wanted to have when we got to the playoffs. But still, uh, it it has been an off season full of uh, 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 varied type uh, issues. But one of the ones I want to address uh, directly because I guess it's uh, uh, the one that uh, uh, probably the one that I have the most sensitivity about, and that is Mike and him uh, coaching. And uh, I want to be real clear. He wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't think he was the man to lead this team to a Super Bowl. He would not be, and I have choices. And uh, so that's not meant to be insensitive to anybody. That's a fact. And so uh, you guys write about a lot of those choices, and they were there for my use had I wanted them. And uh, no, the guy to my right is who I'm convicted about, have been. Uh, we certainly have had things we've addressed, the way we've addressed them in the off season. Uh, I think we have uh, have successfully put together a staff that really, from this vantage point, gives us absolutely the best chance with our makeup and our team to uh, get to the ultimate success. Yeah. And that sounds good today. First day, you know, technically of training camp, first practice on Wednesday, but one, it's somebody who has said multiple times, 
just because I said it doesn't make it so. So you can always take that with anything that he says is, even though he just said it, it doesn't really matter that. I mean, I mean, honestly, he says that. And would any of you be surprised if they started out the season like really, I'm going to say really poorly, like let's say they lose first of their six, eight games, he would be gone. And if they don't have playoff success, he's gone at the end of the year, you know, like, so you can say that today, but that really doesn't matter. Like long-term, it's not like him saying that today or just like, Oh, Oh, he's got his head coach for the next five or six years. Like it just, it's the same exact thing as we knew before the press conference, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, the way I looked at that whole thing was it just, yeah, you what else was he going to say? And he had it on a sheet of paper because he knows if he says that right now, then it's, it's a talking point. And obviously we're all going to write about it, but it still hasn't changed the expectations for Mike McCarthy and what this team needs to accomplish for him to keep his job. I think it's, I love the irony of him saying like, Mike is my guy and I'm convicted of that. And I have choices. Like he sort like he did the, like, that's how we got here in the first place is basically him saying like, I've got choices. Like, Nothing he said was wrong, but it's like you're creating the story yourself, sir. Like you, <laughs> right. this whole thing is a product of your design. Like w- this whole thing started in January because you didn't really want to say anything concrete about what the future was going to hold. And now every time this comes up, he's like, yeah, well, I was playing coy because we were trying to keep Dan Quinn and like, on top of the fact that that doesn't really make a ton of sense in my opinion. <laughs> um, there's also the, like, there are a million other ways to keep a coach that you want to keep other than like, Hey, Hey, everybody in the NFL, we might make Dan our head coach instead of Mike. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I've never heard of that in the history of, of, of following football. I just, I don't know. I love the, I, I love the, I, I love the, we got, or I have choices. Like, so does everybody in the NFL. Yeah. Like anybody in the NFL can move on and get another head coach. Like, it's not like you're the only team that someone's like, Oh my God, the, the Cowboys job is open. Like if anything, every year that goes by and there's more of the same, the less attractive the position becomes. Yeah. And it's crazy obvious too, when he, when he leans in and says, I've got choices and then his irises and his eyeballs turn into Sean Payton's face. And you're <laughs> like, wait, wait, hold on. I- he was pretty specific about it. He was like, I, I could have made that one choice. So that, <laughs> that that one. So they don't want to trade yeah, for him. Can I ask but, this question real quick? No, before let's let's stay on this real quick. So with this exact same team that's on the field right now, like I don't know about with you guys, but like okay, so let's say Sean Payton is is the coach of this team, like going into this season. Like, I guess expectations are a little bit higher. Is anyone looking at this roster and going, okay, now they're going to the Super Bowl? Like, I don't know, like. You can't sit here and say that some of that shine with Sean Payton hasn't worn off over the years to where it's like, it's not the same. I don't know. Like I I can understand where there'd be optimism, but it's not, I don't know. I just don't look at it as the home run that I did four or five years ago. I no, I I agree with you. I guess my thought would be maybe one guy who could directly help unlock Dak and take him to, you know, another level and kind of, it kind of begins there for me, but like, I, I'm with you. Like, it's not like there's nothing Mike McCarthy. There's not like a huge difference there. Now, there's still the frustrating Mike McCarthy things. I guarantee you Sean Payton's got frustrating things about him, too. And Saints fans can tell you all about that. Um, but but that goes for almost every coach. I did. Even with that, though, because quarterback tiers, obviously, with the athletic is very popular right now. It just came yeah. out that Mike Sando did and that. 
Like you talk about the unlocking with Dak Prescott and things like that. Like, all right, that's cool. If you're talking about like 15 to 20 on that ranking top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, how many of them need that coach? You're either that guy or not. And I thought about this because I saw on the podcast that Mike Sando did, he was talking about the Justin Herbert factor. Like who's helped Justin Herbert along? Like you're either the guy or you're not. Does anybody really think that like, yeah, Joe Burrow, it was going to be tough last year, but he had that right coaching. They put him in the right. This is the NFL. You're the guy or you're not. Like there's little things and tweaks they can do to like take you to that next level. But Dak's a top 10 quarterback. Like it's either he's going to get it done or he's not. It's just, I don't know. I just think he's past the whole like, well, if he gets the right coach, he can get that next level of success. Like honestly, if you put the right players around him on both sides of the ball, I, that gets him quicker to success than I think any coach is going to do. I, I agree, but we're still having tons of conversations about, well, why didn't Tony Pollard get in the game more and things like that, though? And that weirdly does go back to coaching, not the verb of coaching, like the, the standard coaching. The way the season just ended. like the scheme and, and yeah. all that stuff, though. Yeah. So All right, with that. I, I agree with, with that, you. With, with all due respect. And I do clearly think Dak's a top 10 quarterback. Like there, I don't yeah. think there's any, for me, there's no question about that, but do you say all that stuff? And then Kent mentions the last game. Well, that second from last series, uh, I don't know about Tony Pollard or, or this right tackle or, or this left or who was that? I know Fred Warner wasn't out there. I, I, I know that, mm-hmm. that Nick Bosa wasn't right. out there. I know the Cowboys were playing at home. I know that every team that played in the wild card round at home won, except for the Cowboys. At some point, you got to just go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Alan? I agree. Which I also, I mean, I I think it's funny. I mean, if Sean Payton was the coach of this team right now, I think the narrative would just be like, this is going to be the bumpy year one until Sean Payton can like really start to like call the shots and put his team around him. Um, but it, it is. I mean, I, I do think Sean Payton's a good coach. I think, I think his strength is probably as a play caller. As somebody who grew up around the Sean Payton Saints, um, play calling, uh, yeah, not so much like coaching Dak into being a better quarterback, but probably just calling an offense that would maximize the personnel. I think Sean Payton is good at that. But the irony that I was going to bring up is just like, on paper, he's got a very similar resume to Mike McCarthy. Like, I mean, that, 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 that it is what it is like perpetually very, very good, uh, with a hall of fame quarterback probably should have played for more than one super bowl, but there was always something getting in the way at the very end. Like, I mean, that describes both guys. Uh, so yeah, I'm not really, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sold that it would be this life changing thing, but man, it would be great for clicks guys. Oh, the clicks. <laughs> um, so I'm not targeting uh, Nui Scruggs at all here. I love Nui. Um, and then yeah, Jane you seem had to have follow- agenda today. Yeah, it seemed like he was trying. He seemed like he was to, really uh, trying to really trying to poke m- the bear today. He really was. I didn't understand why we're asking questions about a contract extension for Mike McCarthy when he's got three years left on his contract. Like, I, I guess my question is: Did Nui just not not know that, or did it slip his mind? Like, what happened there? I, I think he was, was just that trying just, to was that just, hey, just being good at he, stirring the drink. Is he saying like put your money where your mouth is? If this is really your guy, then just give him give him an extension. Yeah, I mean he still has two more years after this one on, on the contract, but I think he was just trying to put Jerry in an awkward awkward mm-hmm. space. Um, 
same thing when he asked about the secret sauce, but let's play let's play it. Here. You spoke about wanting Mike McCarthy to be here as your head coach and you're confident to him. Did that result in a contract extension? Come on. It has not. Any other questions? Appreciate you pushing. Any other questions? Any other questions? Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I don't get contract extensions. You know, when you got your ass out there a little bit, you can. <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, don't want to at Mike's expense or our expense here. But no, we're in good shape. We have years left on our contract. I love the term when you get your ass out there a little bit. I had to keep that um, in. When he said that, I was like, "Where he?" When I, I heard him say, "When you got your ass," I was like, "Where's this going? What's he about to say?" It was tamer than I was expecting, but <laughs> no. And I, I love Nui. I'm not throwing shade at anybody. I, I, I love everybody that covers the Cowboys. Honestly, I think we're very That's lucky. Not true. All right. Well, you know, maybe there's one or two. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying. I love the vast majority of the people that cover the Cowboys, but like, there is an element. Uh, to the first day <laughs> there's an element to the first day of training camp that's kind of like it's like the first day of school like you know you show up with your new outfit and your new book bag and you're ready to put the world on notice that this year is going to be your year like that kind of happens on the first day of training camp where there's always a person or two that's like watch this i'm about to dominate this thing like um they, i mean dale hansen used to get in it into it with jerry every summer uh like he would show up and just try to draw Jerry offsides. Like, uh, yeah, it's, you just kind of, it goes with the territory of the first day of training camp. Let's put it that way. No, for the outside, I enjoyed it, but just from the, uh, just like the logical, uh, thought of it, I was just like, I don't understand why that's a thing that needs to be talked about, but Hey, Hey, sometimes it's good to spice up the press conferences. Uh, do you have the secret sauce thing while you're there? I mean, while we're on yeah, this I do. Uh, thread. Yeah. Well, uh, 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 the secret sauce, uh, the Jenny, the Jenny, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's why we're here to be a trite. Uh, we're trying to find the secret sauce There's to get us trite. another one. And uh, uh, it's uh, about as, uh, it's certainly the most challenging thing that I've ever been involved in. And I have have been involved in a lot of things, but uh, putting it together so that we can uh, uh, get a team to uh, win the uh, uh, Super Bowl is uh, uh, has been real challenging. I admit it, and uh, it's given me that much more resolve to uh, get it done. But I don't know about the secret sauce. I've had a lot of sauce too. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's crazy too when you think about that. Twenty six years, like in the last since twenty ten, all but three teams have been in the NFC Championship game, and the Cowboys are one of those. Like, so. For somebody like Jerry Jones, who's had so much success business-wise and had so much early success in the NFL, like there have to be times where he just is like at a complete loss for why they haven't had more. Like, and I'm not even talking about like winning Super Bowl, but just getting one deep playoff run. He said today that he thinks that there were there's been three to four times that they've had opportunities in these last 26 years. Uh, obviously, I think the most recent ones would be 14 and 16. Um, but I just, I don't know, man, like the longer I covered the team, the more I'm just kind of like, are they kind of cursed? Like, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't just accidentally have like, like a Bengals year of last year. Salary where salary cap, like, man. 
Yeah, but the salary cap is what makes it why you should be able to have a chance every well, once they, in a while. They haven't been able to find that balance. It is. I That's what really hammers it home. And I mean, he has a point that, you know, maybe maybe with one one to three different bounces in like oh oh seven, fourteen, sixteen, like they should have fallen ass backward into an NFC title game at least right. once. <laughs> like I mean, I still can't wrap my brain around the fact that Jeff Heath didn't strip Aaron Rodgers when he hit him at the end of that twenty sixteen game. Um so anyway, but like but then you you look at it from the other side and you're like, man, like even even so, like some some not consistently good franchises like the Bengals, uh, the Bengals are one now. How about the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons? Like even these teams are again like falling ass backward into making the Super Bowl or making it to the NFC title game. The Chicago Bears have done it two times in the last fifteen years. It's wild. It's it's wild that the Cowboys can't even seem to be a blind squirrel that finds a nut. And Jerry really hit on like towards the end of the press conference today, which it lasted uh, an hour and three minutes uh, about, he really hammered home about him being a risk taker. And every time he gets asked these questions about like, you know, Super Bowls and getting back to that. And everything, he always talks about being a risk taker and all that. Like what are the big risks that they've really taken? Like when I think of the risks they've taken recently, I think of them taking risks on like draft picks on guys with like off the field or injury issues or something like that. Like, I don't know if like there's like to me a big risk is to sit there and do some of the things the Rams are doing. Heck, doing some of the things that the Buccaneers did when to get Tom Brady and doing some of like when's the last time the Cowboys like really did some big risk that like you were like, man, if this pays off, this is putting them over the top. Like, is Greg Hardy gonna do that? Like, like what what is their big risk that they've really done? Like, I I just I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm miss I just can't think of it right now, but no, no, and I, I think uh, you know how the word risk is defined can be have a, have a lot of different levels. But I think ever since the the hypothetical line where uh, obviously Stephen's not in charge, right? But the hypothetical line of when Stephen and Will McClay kind of started doing things, you know, to me yeah. it, that that type of stuff kind of stopped in a way. Like the risk so is almost before that. So that's what? 2014. Even before yeah. that, what's the, the last big risk they took? The, the risk, Trading for Roy Williams? Well, no, the, the risk is ass backwards, right? The risk is cutting Dez and seeing if we can do this wide receiver group with Alan Hearns and Cole Beasley. Like, yeah, that's, but that's not even The risk is risk. like different. The risk is like a, can we get away with something thrifty? But yeah, you're right. It's not your standard roll of the dice type thing. I, I get what you're saying. The biggest risk I can think of the closest thing to a risk I can think of them taking, and I want to clarify, like, I understand that this barely qualifies, but like trading for Amari, trading a one for a player. But as they told us time and time again, like at the time they did it, he was only 24 years old. And relative to his skill level, Oakland wasn't asking for a ton in return. So like, I, that's... That's not even a huge risk, in my opinion. I mean, it, yeah. I, it was... and. For that matter, you can't even say it was a huge risk because they waited till their backs were against the wall. You know, they're three and four. They they're just like we we got no juice. We got nothing in the passing game. Like we're gonna watch Dak throw for 180 yards a week for the rest of the year unless we do something. So, with that in mind, that doesn't even really qualify as a big risk. So right before I moved down to Dallas, the 
I moved down like for the 11 draft. So the 10 draft would have been Dez. So I guess in 10 to trade up to draft Dez because of some of the off the field concerns there, I guess that would be a risk. But like, since I've covered the yeah. team, like I can't think of any like big time risks. Like, cause one of the ones I keep going back to that, like I keep thinking about is like, what I always say to you guys, the biggest difference between the Cowboys and the lions is like, when it comes to head coach, like the Cowboys can get anybody. Like there's certain only certain guys like the Lions can get, you know? It's like just like the Sacramento Kings. You look at like the Charlotte Hornets, like there's only so many coaches those organizations can get because so many people don't want to go there. The Cowboys can get anybody, and like even their coaching hires have all been pretty much safe. It's kind of like uh Parcells, sorry. You you mentioned Tampa Bay a little bit, and, and there's a little bit of ring chasing going on with Julio Jones signing with them at the age of 45. And now you look at the wide receiver like free agent class. Uh, now, if you were to add someone, and it doesn't feel like they're going to, but you are really down to like a Will Fuller, who uh, there goes your availability thing. That guy's hurt all the time. And then it's like Emmanuel Sanders. And if you want to throw out like, like, and there's just like a Dallas tie-in that you think of, but it is like bare bones. Like, dude, there's not even like any really like T.Y. Hilton, maybe like I would be into. Did you see, but like, uh, did you see Cole Beasley's tweet? Huh? I sure did. We actually talked uh-huh. about that on the Ben and Skin Show today with our buddy Jeff Cavanaugh filling in, filling in where uh, our old friend Roy White actually spurred a tweet from uh, Cole Beasley, and Cole Beasley said he would come back to play with Dak. Um, but, yeah, they're, the whole vaccine thing, right? There's he no went, way. He right? wants a job. Of course he's going to say that. Hey, the didn't vaccine he, thing doesn't matter anymore. Didn't he walk out with a, just a big line of, of uh, gasoline what? behind him? Oh, when he left the Cowboys, didn't wasn't yeah, he pouring yeah. gasoline on his way out the door? Yeah, he. Yeah. Uh, I don't see him coming back. No, I, I also don't see CDs in the slot too. Like CDs in I the slot. Say, like, I just the think I think Cole's skill set is a little too specialized for them to want to do that. Like they don't need a slot only guy who runs the vast majority of his yards within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, or vast majority mm-hmm. of his routes. I mean, you know who else is available? Alan Hearns. Um, so yeah, with, one with, thing- I mean, it, with Julio going off the board, my interest in doing something there is, is very, very low. Like, I guess if, if T Y Hilton is, is super healthy and wants to sign, yeah, for yeah he can't stay healthy I, either. Or no, hasn't well, been able to. Yeah. yeah. At this rate, at this rate, we just wait for October. And if they need him, OBJ, baby, <laughs> let's get Odell. I mean, on maybe. If they're, if they're yeah. in bad enough shape that they're looking for a wide receiver that badly, then go do the exact same thing you did to get Amari Cooper and just go trade with somebody. I know, but it would be really fun if Odell played here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I do like the quote, uh, uh, you have this is Steven towards the back end there, time for young players. It's kind of the whole whole, uh, Steven Jones way, right? Draft and develop. Let's let these young players take over. I don't know if this was a satisfying answer for you guys, but let's hear that. Well, I think, uh, you know, one of the things when you talk about how are you going to get better, as Jerry mentioned, availability, consistency. I mean, it's time to give some of our young players, like a C.D. Lamb, uh, like a Steele and a uh, Tyler Smith and a Willetsko and a Ball, you know, the opportunity to step up. I mean, those are that's that's what you look for in these players. Same thing, you know, uh, you know, in the defensive line, you get a draft of Sam Williams, you got a Fowler, you got a Dorrance Armstrong, which may have been hard to keep. I mean, we we have a a good young roster uh, over the last two or three or four drafts. Uh, you know, that are going to be coming up and that we're going to want to keep around here because we do like our foundation, our young foundation. And so uh, uh, I just think it's time for these players to get the opportunity to step up. And and when they do step up, of course, they're going to want paid too. Okay. Ball, Josh Ball, (laughs) Matt Wolitsky. Oh, yeah. Aiken for steel. Josh Ball, swing tackle candidate to Josh Ball, correct? And yeah, Matt Wetzko, right. competition to be your backup center, right? Oh, I think they're both in competition to be swing tackle, honestly. Yeah. Well, let's go in ball. Oh, I'm sorry. I get I'm a jerk. Let's go in Farnack. Like, you could put them up on a police lineup, and I wouldn't. Oh, uh, they're both from the Midwest. They both got K's in their name. They both, their names are both Matt. Like, I see, I see where your head's at. Just big white guys. Um, <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell apart. Um, so yeah, uh, but, but interesting that Josh Ball's being thrown out there because Josh Ball, if he doesn't get snaps on this team, he should get all the ire that, uh, Chaz Green drew over With- time. 
with all due respect to Josh, and like I, I don't think I've ever even officially met Josh because he got hurt pretty early in camp last year. But like of the names that Steven threw out, that was the one that I was the most surprised to hear, just because we like we we haven't seen a, a ton from him. Um so like for him to use that name specifically, I'm like, okay, maybe they maybe they've seen something from Josh Ball that I have not. Maybe it's um, some wishful thinking. Yeah. I mean, well, and then that I mean, that is the that's what I just go back to. And I, I've been saying this for months. Jerry said it again today. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if we have the quote, but Jerry was basically like, yeah, like we didn't know what we had in Micah at this time last year. We didn't know how much better he was going to make our team. And like, we think we can do that again. And I'm like, hey, have you ever played roulette? Like, if you hit on a number and win, like, are you going to do it again on the next spin? Like, what are the odds that that happens? What are the odds that there's another Micah Parsons in this draft class? I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think if your strategy is another one of these guys is going to be just as good as Micah was, like, I I'll just don't, I, I disagree. <laughs> yeah. I disagree. It's kind of like for 26 years, kind of doing the same thing, even, even though it's not working, just being like, dare me i'll do it again i don't care i'll do it again right now we'll hey we'll go 27 right now you want to go 30 we'll go 35 let's get crazy here um no the micah parsons thing that is and that's not the first time jerry said some stuff like that uh he said it like five I, times this off season and yeah. i remember one of the big clips from uh i think it was back in maybe march when Sam Williams, after I think it was old Mrs. Pro Day, talked about, you know, Jerry, he had talked to Jerry at some some type of a bowl game or something. And this was right after he met with Dan Quinn. He said that Jerry was saying, like, we need another Micah Parsons, whatever. And even at that time, I was thinking, I'm like, you need another Micah Parsons. Like, there's one Micah Parsons, like, in every draft class for the entire league. <laughs> like, like right. the odds that you're going to get another one of those, like, I don't know. Like, it just, like, I kind of, it goes back to the taking chances and, like, pushing it all out there and, and just putting, you know, if you're, I just feel like where I'm sitting here today, that if I would have told this to a Cowboys beat writer from like the early nineties, they'd be like, there's no way that Jerry and the Cowboys are this conservative going 26 years without being in a Super Bowl. I, I honestly, it would make more sense to have at least one outlier season where they just like went all in and it was a complete disaster, but you're like, Hey man, but do you do you remember the 2014 season? Remember they put everybody and they went out and got all these guys and it was a complete disaster. But hey, they tried. Like, where is that? Like the idea that you go 26 years for somebody has been as successful as Jerry Jones. I just I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. Like it's not even really it's not even really believable. Like if it, it's it's what's the biggest like, risk in the time in those 26 years? Investing in blockchain com. <laughs> Uh, are, hey, are you talking like about the Cowboys? Yeah. Oh, no, I would say I would say there's some certainly more than I've covered the team. I would say trading Herschel Walker, a proven player for all those picks. That's a big okay. risk Like at that time, you know. Um, what about, yeah, no, I'm, a, like, since they won a Super Bowl. College coach and Jimmy Johnson, like, that was a big risk. Oh, you're, okay, I thought you meant since he bought the team. Since, he, since they won the Super since Bowl, what's the biggest risk? Signing or? Terrell Owens. Um. Terrell Owens. Yeah, maybe uh, T.O., yeah. I would say they're the only team that was probably going to sign Greg Hardy. <laughs> um, no, uh, trading for Roy Williams, I think, was pretty risky at the time. For sure. 
Trading up, I'm for it's it's way level. Uh, trading up from Mo Claiborne, like the, uh, to, to your, to, there you go. Trading up, trading up from Mo Claiborne was a good. That's a good one right there. That shows you some aggressiveness. Like, hey, we need this. We need this position. Let's go get our guy, Joey like, Galloway. I mean, oh, the risks are usually not good. <laughs> it's usually like bad moves when you look at a lot. I of don't want moves. one. I want like twelve and not even twelve. Like, I want three in one season. Something real wild where you're just like, hey, man, we went for it, didn't work. John wants John. John needs to be in L.A. with the Rams. Those guys have all the fun. No, they really don't, though, because like, yeah, maybe the team does. But like, I like covering the Cowboys because there's so much interest and the fan base is so huge. So I want that Rams success to come over to the Cowboys. Yeah. So we can enjoy all the clicks that come with it. Dave. Did, <laughs> did Jerry mention uh, Von Miller at any point today? Like after? Like, uh, nobody. Else no, but I mean. The thing, I mean, Von Miller's under contract with the Bills now. He would just say yeah, something true. along the yeah. lines of, like, I can't talk about somebody else's player. Mm-hmm. The most interesting thing Jerry said in the walk-off was that that kid that he got, that Jerry smoked in that car is suing Jerry when it's pretty obvious when you watch the video that Jerry yeah. <laughs> Jerry was completely in the right and that, that dude was completely lost. Like, I mean, anybody's probably been, you're looking at your Google Maps and uh, all of a sudden you're going to cut three lanes over, uh, because you got to give your DoorDash order. But yeah, so Jerry said he's getting sued by that dude. I mean, if you got in a wreck with somebody that was worth billions of dollars, I don't know. I Yeah, like, I mean, he's definitely in the wrong. Don't get me wrong. But like, I think I see the logic of like, maybe something crazy will happen and I'll get some money yeah. out of it. Well, it's not even about you or the kid driving the car. It's when the lawyers get involved. Yeah, the lawyers so, are like, ahead, hey, step aside, young Hellman. Let me show you how we're going to yeah. get you some money in a little thing we like to call a settlement. Yep. And Mr. Jones, why were you in the uh, area at the time? Yeah. Get him deposed, get you know. Yeah. Like, I, I did th- I did actually throw it out there that night that, like, if he's going to be willing to go out in public to get a to-go order of food, and there are some good steakhouses in that area of Harry Hines right there, if he's going to take the risk, like, you could be followed and someone could try to get in a wreck. But, you know, that On video purpose? is pretty nuts. Yeah. You're saying on purpose he, he's gonna he's gonna it's be a, targeted. It's very better call Saul. It's a better call yeah, Saul. I was gonna say you have a sick mind, KT. Ah, uh, you never know what hey, It's realistic, TV. but you but you still have a sick mind. There's some people yeah. that'll put a lot of effort into something really ridiculous rather than no, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yes. Some people are gonna play the mega millions tonight. Um <laughs> Hey, so, hey, hey, don't disparage that. Come on. Isn't it like a billion dollars? The mega billion? It's, uh, 800, 810 yeah. million. And I do have my $2 ticket back here. I'm going to say, this is my <laughs> night. This is my night. Uh, Dalton Schultz, we should talk about that. I, I think Steven's answer to him was uh, well, kind of what you would expect from Steven, but uh, he did push back a little bit. He's like, we tried. Yeah, I don't know how hard they tried. I don't, you know, he mentioned Demarcus Lawrence and Dax deals, like how they eventually got done and they were in similar situations with the franchise tag, Dez thing. Uh, but I think if you took those and you made Dalton Schultz in that group with those four, I, I think it'd be pretty clear that the least amount of effort was given to getting the long-term deal with Dalton Schultz. They probably, I'm not saying that they don't want him and I'm not saying that this doesn't mean that he's going to be a cowboy for several years in the future. I'm just saying, I don't think that they wanted to pay him like he wanted to get paid. Like one of those top, like David Ninjoku and an above type contract. So yeah, they wanted him. But at the yeah. right, at their price. I think they tried, but then when they got Dalton's counter offer, they were like, "Well, 
we tried <laughs> like that. I mean, technically that counts as trying, but yeah, like I don't, I just don't think this was ever a priority the way that some of those other deals John mentioned was. Old Jake Ferguson and Sean McEwen are going to have a lot to say about that because if they don't look that great, Oh, that, no. that just puts more pressure on them having to get something done with Schultz. I think Dalton has all the leverage in the world. I wrote this for Fox Sports like a week or two ago. Like, as long as he's healthy, that dude's going to put up numbers. Are you kidding me? Like, he's the only other proven option in the offense besides CD to start the year. Dak loves to look for the tight end. Like, Dalton Schultz, as long as he's healthy, is going to catch, like, 80 passes and might even finish with 1,000 yards. Um, the other thing, though, is... They could always tag him again. That's probably the thing that I forget about the most where I'm just like, they could tag him in March. And then, so you wind up paying him 24 million over two years, which is less than what a guy like David Njoku is getting right now. So uh, I think Schultz has all the leverage to like maximize his value. But I also think the Cowboys have no problem just tagging him and tagging him again. If he plays well, what a great draft pick, especially like later like that, if they could just, Will McClay, keep finding tight ends like that. <laughs> yeah, no pressure, Will. No pressure. Is this is this hey, y'all's least hey. favorite? Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I mean, the funny thing, like, you know, Jake Ferguson and Sean McCune don't look like they're ready to take snaps from Dalton Schultz right now, but Dalton Schultz barely contributed anything to this team until 2020. Like, I think heading into 2020, he had, like, nine career catches – he was like, you know, he, 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 he was not a very useful player. And now we're talking about him as like a potential $25 million player. So maybe Jake Ferguson can be that guy later, but maybe just not right now. What were you say, KT? I was, I was say, really interested a, in this. Well, well, I thought of something too, that I was going to say, it is such a bummer from a human standpoint and for football that Blake Jarwin just can't play anymore I know, right? yeah. because he's hurt. That, I mean, that's terrible. I mean, he had, he had some big, now, he didn't have a lot of numbers last year. He didn't play much, but he had a couple big ca- big catches uh, early in the season. Another thing, though, is, is, is this y'all's least favorite week of practice because it is walk around city uh, tomorrow, day one, right? We, we don't even put pads on for a few days, right? Um, I, I don't mind it because this is a chance to get to talk to some players that uh, you might not have gotten a chance to during OTAs and minicamp. And then there's there's plenty to talk about. So, I don't hate it from like a reporter standpoint at all. I just wish the team was a little bit more interesting right now. Like that's my only thing. Like when I got here, like a few days ago, that's all I kept thinking about. I was telling some other writers about this. I'm just like, man, this is probably like the least interesting team since I've started covering the Cowboys just because there's just, I don't know, like there just weren't any big additions that really moved the needle. And then there were some key losses and you're just kind of sitting there. You're like, I don't know. Like there's just not, there's not the excitement that I guess there were in, in some previous camps, but then again, I really didn't have a lot of excitement going into 2014 and that ended up being a good year. And, uh, there certainly wasn't a lot of excitement, uh, when Tony went down in 16 and then, you know, Kellen Moore went down in 16 and we're sitting here charting at training camp who had a better day between Jamil showers and Dak Prescott. And then look what happened there. So there maybe we go, it's good. pump that sunshine. Um, I'm trying, Dave. I'm trying. <laughs> Uh, I mean, everything's interesting for me right now, just because it's I mean, it's the same job, but it, it's its completely everything's completely new for me because I'm in this new role with Fox. Uh, like I'm in a hotel room in Ventura right now instead of over at the camp where I normally would be. I had to get situated in the reporter's tent today instead of the, the Dallas Cowboys dot com tent. Um, 
it's really like, you know, I'm not new at all, but uh, in a lot of ways I feel very new. So that, that keeps it spicy, but yeah, I mean, tomorrow will be fun just cause it's the first one. And then I'll be like, Oh my God, can we please get to pads? Like, can we please watch something interesting? Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a process. You're just trying to stack good days on top of each other. Dave, you're going to be charting the playlist this year. Mike is nowhere near as big on music as Jason Garrett was like typically in a Mike McCarthy practice, they might play like five songs. Um, but I will, I will keep my ear out. If there's music, I will be keeping track of it. It's kind of interesting too, Dave, because if you look at McCarthy, like almost everything he does is like 99%, I feel like is. I'm trying to think of a good way to explain this. Okay. The way I feel about like Kentucky men's basketball, like it's very, very players first, like whatever's best for the players, like, you know, and nothing against John Calipari, but there's just this reputation that they're just very players first, like whatever, you know, everything else takes a backseat to that. And I really feel like Mike McCarthy is like that with the Cowboys. And maybe he was like that in Green Bay. I'm not sure. But, and I would feel like I bring this up because I think the Cowboys, I mean, I think players would want to hear music throughout practice. So it's like one of the only things he doesn't do. Cause for example, like we see those, buses oh, he doesn't do it at all. Well, no, he does it a little bit in between some like, like maybe break, during like water break, breaks yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like very, that. very so little. Not during like team period or anything. No, 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 no. music. Wow. No. I think that's bad preparation. But Yeah. So, but he's been doing this for a while. So obviously he has a reason for it, but I don't know. I would, I oh. like it. And I would think the players like it better when there's music, but no, but everything else, man, it is so players first. Like, you know, like he doesn't, he's not big on like the whole, like, all right, we're going on this road trip. You guys are going to wear suits and ties and stuff like that. Like there has been in the past. Uh, you look at those buses pulling uh, the other day, man, that was the least amount of guys on that, on those buses that since I've covered the team, cause I mean, it was like with Jason Garrett, man, it was like they, he wanted everybody on that charter and everybody flying together. And Mike McCarthy is a much more laid back with that stuff. Like Dak, Tyron Smith, a bunch of guys got out here earlier. Uh, so they weren't on those buses with like the rest of the team when they showed up. Um, just, I don't know, just everything about the way he sets things up. It's about like, you know, getting the players healthy, keeping them like, you know, uh, during the season and stuff like that. Like, it's all about ramping up so that you're at your best, like as later in the season, he's very, just like, it's just very opposite of what you'd think. If all you know about Mike McCarthy is he's the guy that keeps getting fined because they're practicing too hard during OTAs. Mini- Cause he's not that guy at all. Like he's a very, very players friendly coach. And you, you hear players talk about that. And I think at the pro level, I really think you got to be that way to a certain extent, but that's the only thing that he doesn't do that I would think the players would want is really the music. I've never really analyzed it that deeply, but you're so right, dude. And that, yeah, like Jason Garrett was this very buttoned up, like college type of coach. Yeah. Like the, you had like when Jason Garrett was the head coach, guys would fly home. They would be in California and they would fly back to Dallas so that they could fly back to California with the team because like, the optics of the team being together were like very important to Jason. Didn't Garrett. a player get cut for, for wearing the wrong thing to a gala? Yeah. 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 I, I want to say that was Corey white, right? Corey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Corey white got cut. Like he, I mean, there was more to it than just that. Like obviously the play on the field is paramount, but yeah, like he, he didn't wear the right outfit or something stupid like that. <laughs> so, hey, Dave, Dave, can you imagine the whole uh, Dak going into Garrett's office with C.D. Lamb? Yeah, hey, coach, we're going to go out there a little bit early. We're going to go over to UCLA. 
Yeah, we're doing, we're doing Real Madrid <laughs> with Luka Modric and uh, yeah, and Real Madrid. No, yeah, exactly. And but then at the same time, Jason Garrett, like the practices here in Oxnard when Garrett was the coach, was like not just music, but like the newest, most popular music. Like when Future dropped an album, it was all Future all day, or like Drake would be on there all the time. I mean let's be clear. Jason Garrett was not picking that playlist, but like, he's still you don't know that. Yes, I do. I do know that because I know the guy who did put the playlist together. Yeah. His um, name's Jason Garrett. <laughs> no, I heard some nice. beautiful that day on there serious right yeah. now. This oh, yeah, no. stuff. Future's got a new track out. Put that on there. The guys, the guys who used to put the playlist together, it would lo- like, they would take player input and be like, okay, the defense wants these 10 songs and, and the quarterback wants this stuff. But you could always tell, there would be like three U2 songs for Jason. And then whenever the a kickers, petty song, when the kickers yeah. would get out there, it would always be like freaking Luke Bryan or some just the <laughs> worst country music. Yeah. Damn. Like, you're like, all right, I can tell. Sorry, Luke. They're out right now. Sorry, Luke. Yeah. I know you listen to the podcast. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. he doesn't, Dave doesn't speak for all of us. <laughs> Sorry, all country music fans out there who uh, listen. And, uh, Jeez, Dave. To Athletic. Sorry. So I look at the I Dallas like, Cowboys. Gosh, the whole I like, bro. Yeah. I like a lot of country music, but that very specific, like popular country, country music yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. Top forty country is not for me. I'm, yeah. I'm, I need like just the popular stuff right now. Yeah. I need Sturgill Simpson. Give me that stuff. Willie. Uh, hey, are we coaching penalties this year? Or are we not coaching penalties? I'm just not sure what the what's the protocol I mean, on that. As a guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like I- this whole press identity. conference today. Everything sounds good on, uh, you know, when you're listening to it. But like, are you actually going to see it? You know, that that's sounded good you... deal. That sounded like everything else to me. And it just it's the same way when Jerry says uh, uh, our team's better this year than last year because right. of our coaching staff. Like we've heard we've heard him say that before. Yeah, for sure. And then like the Mike stuff. Like, and, and look, I'm I'm not uh, going out of my way to run over Mike McCarthy here. I was just that I watched the Cowboys and 49ers playoff game two nights ago. How'd that go? Uh, just to relive it and just kind of remember did, it all. Did they and, win this time? The Cowboys uh, they win? didn't, and there were so oh, many okay. penalties again. Um, 14 of them, and only probably one of them that you could question. 13 of those 14 penalties are just right there, clearly penalties. And I just remember the back and forth of coaching penalties or not coaching penalties. Like, what do we or it, do we not? I don't it's know. Hard, it's hard for me to completely hate on the idea just because – and maybe I'm just, I'm being biased here. And maybe if I went back and watched all the tape, maybe it isn't as bad as I thought it was. But I always thought of like a lot of that success Seattle had with the Legion of Boom was, uh, yeah, we're going to do this on every single play. I dare you to throw a flag every time. And it got them a Super Bowl and it got them to be one of the best teams in the NFC for a long period of time. And so there is part of me where I'm like, I know fans hate it. And, and I know it gets annoying when you see all these penalties and stuff like that. But like, I get annoyed by the pre-snap and like egregious holdings by an offensive lineman that's no longer here type thing more so than like the really aggressive stuff. Now there's some dumb things that certain players do that you're just like, come on now, what are you doing? But like really physical, especially on defense like that. Like I honestly, I don't have a problem with that. Which, and that's what I liked about it. Um, I just, I like the fact that like, Mike had a chance to be like, yeah, we got to fix that. We got to do this. We got to, we got to coach him better. We got to be more disciplined. And he did say a lot of that, but he was also like, look, we're not soft. All right. Like we're not going to be punks. We're not like, we're going to be 
a bet like a tough team. I may like, but yeah, I, I like the way that he was like, yeah, like we need to clean some of that stuff up, but like, we're, we're not some bitches. Okay. Like we're going to be a tough football team. Discipline, grit, and fundamentally sound. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, that all did sounds. He say, did he say the bitches part or that was that Dave? No, that was, that was me paraphrasing. Oh, but okay. that kind of, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a blue collar, rough and tumble Pittsburgh guy. Like I know what he meant. He was like, look, we're not going to get pushed around. We got to play cleaner but we're going to be tough. Damn it. Yeah. I think if Mike had it his way, they would, they would certainly would not be playing at AT&T stadium. That just does not seem it's funny too, because it's the place where he won a super bowl, but he just seems like a coach that would prefer that they play in grass outside all the time. Very little about the, very little about the aesthetic of the Dallas Cowboys meets the aesthetic of Mike McCarthy. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so dumb. (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned that Dave, because obviously we're talking about the stadium. Yeah, I guess that would be number one, but number two would certainly be he doesn't want to come out to California for training camp. Right. No, no. I he does not like that at all. Like he does not like, like he's going to sit there and say that he likes coming out here because the weather's nice and all that. But like the idea of getting this team, you know, tough and ready to go for the season and then coming out to this like beautiful weather, you know, probably isn't the perfect way to get your team ready in his eyes. Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy is like, he's at a, he's at like an open bar event at like a wedding or a gala or something. And like, you know, all they have is like cocktails and champagne. And he's like, Holy crap. Can I just get a light beer? Like all I want is a light beer. And the Cowboys are just this bar full of like frou-frou cocktails and champagne and all that type of, he's like, Holy crap. What does it take to get a Miller light? Like, that's all I want. I don't want any of this stuff. <laughs> Hors d'oeuvres. Uh, no, yeah. I just want a club sandwich and uh, literally like, beer. can we get you some bruschetta, sir? <laughs> Mike's just like, you know, do y'all have chicken tenders for God's sake? Like, come on. The first thing I think when I see Mike is glitz and glamour. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, it fits right. The brand glitz. Hey, it like Jason Gary used to say, like, it goes with the dinner. I understand, you know, you're the head coach. You're going to take crap. People are going to find things to make fun of about you. And I, I firmly believe that he is coaching for his job this year. But with all of that said, like, I got nothing bad to say about him as a guy. Like, I've really enjoyed working with Mike McCarthy. He's he's fun. He's funny. He's surprisingly personable. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're talking about going to get a beer or, like, just talking oh, yeah. football or something like that. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, very high on the list. Yeah, no yeah. question about that. I mean, that's exactly. the thing, like. You know, especially on this podcast, we obviously point to a lot of the, you know, in-game management and things like that. Katie and I have joked around about those things forever, whatever. But it is it is also kind of funny when you think about it that <laughs> there's no way that we'll ever know as much about football as he does right now. Yeah, right. No <laughs> chance. Zero chance. That's true. Um, okay, well, anything else we need to get to, guys? Kent? Uh, yeah, this... This one kind of set the tone of the press conference. Jerry, you know, is kind of on this tone the entire time. And he was asked about the, uh, the pressure on the team this year. You know, that it, how did he emphasize the pressure to win now in the offseason? Jerry, how have you gone about communicating your sense of urgency for this season to your organization, especially to your coaching staff? Um. told him I got a birthday coming up here real quick. <laughs> I don't have time to have a bad time. <laughs> it ain't on my schedule. 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, uh, I'm not so sure that's a joke. That's the way it is. I'm going to start saying schedule without a C in it. Schedule forward. I mean, I get what he's saying, and he says that all the time. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, one that's of a Jerry's go to. Yeah. Like, I don't have time to have a bad time. Okay, so yeah, Jerry's twice as old as I am, but like, I really don't have a time to have a bad time either. Like, I would like this team to start winning games. Like, I would like this team to start winning playoff games. Like, I'm not getting any younger either. Like, I would love to cover a Super Bowl champion. Hey, if you guys want to go and be like the nineties and I don't know, maybe go to like five Super Bowls in the next seven years. That'd be cool too. Like did, did Jerry really like, say that though? Did Jerry really go in and say, guys, I'm getting pretty old. We need to win now. I'm sure. He, I'm sure. He, not, not in those words, but I'm sure he said the, I don't, I don't have time to have a bad time. I'm sure. But he's been saying that for the last decade. He's been saying, right. That's what I'm saying. I think that's a non-answer. Of like yeah. there wasn't there wasn't extra emphasis this off season. No, no, no. I think that's his answer. Now. I just think that's the way he goes about it. He does. The, he, I think he says very similar things because he has a lot of go to stories that he's used over the years. So I'm sure when he goes in front of this crop of like, let's be honest, man, the NFL is such a quick turnover on these rosters. There's so many guys that didn't hear that three years ago when he said it. There's so many guys that didn't hear it two years ago when he said it. So I'm sure he uses some of those same messages of the I don't have time to have a bad time thing. I'm I'm sure he does, mm-hmm. but. No, but uh, I, I, I get, I get what you're, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Ken, of just mm-hmm. like, it, it's the, you know, people bring up that a wild answer that and people that bring up that quote time over and over and over again. Like, you know, two or three years ago, Jerry said, if I could write a check to get a Super Bowl, you'd like, there's no amount that would be too much. And like, every time the Cowboys don't spend money, people bring that back up. <laughs> right. And, yeah. Yeah. Like the incongruity is there. Like. I don't, I don't get the sense that there's like this crazy amount of urgency surrounding the Cowboys. What do you think of the championship right now? I agree. You have a quote that was like, we're a couple college playoffs away from winning now. What, what did, what did he mean by that? I think trying to decipher Jerry speak, um, he likes, he's very fond of pointing out that an NFL season, especially like if, you know, when you include the preseason and a potential playoff game, like 20, 21, 22 games, an NFL season is almost two college seasons. Uh, So I think, I think what he was saying is like, you know, these young, these young guys like rookies and, and these second year players like Micah and Osa and, and those guys, uh, they've just played and are about to play so much more football than they're used to playing. And, in his view, that can be a very good thing because it'll help them develop into. Oh, okay. I get, I got you. Wow. You did decipher that Dave. That's that me was, trying uh, to decide. I might be wrong, but I think, I that's think that's what, what it probably meant. Right. That's a good, yeah. I had no, like no clue where he was going, but I totally get it now. Yeah. One, one other thing I wanted to add in here about the, going back to the Sean Payton and then the, uh, all the confidence Jerry has in, in Mike McCarthy, just put yourself in, in Jerry Jones's shoes as owner of the Dallas Cowboys. and what benefit would there be for you to come out there today and say anything about like him coaching for his job? So then he could lose potentially lose the team early in the season. And then the whole season's a waste. Like there was no, there's no positive from going, this is a big year for Mike might not be back. If it doesn't go the right way, <laughs> like why would you do that? That makes no sense. Like you would say stuff he said. You're right. But it would be funny if he did just because it would yeah. be like so unprecedented. 
Yeah. To Dave's Today, point earlier, he's the one who came out there and started saying all that yeah. stuff about co- y'all. Y'all probably y'all might have touched on it as as the beat, but it wouldn't have been the the topic of the press conference had he not come out there and let me get this straight about this coaching rumors because y'all. I mean, it's not like it's a super relevant topic to this week in camp. I guess maybe, but no, it is. It absolutely it, is. I mean, Mike did an interview with a uh, couple different writers going into camp talking about like, and that was like the number one thing that he was. Talking oh yeah. 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 I remember that. I mean, yep. it's not that that was going to be one of the biggest topics to come out of here is, is, is Mike's job security. It's, it's the, cause this, let's be honest, like what's really changing with the players. Dak's not going anywhere. Micah Parsons isn't going anywhere. CD's not going anywhere. Trayvon Diggs isn't going anywhere. So it is about, it's about, okay, if this coaching staff doesn't get it headed in the right direction, you get some postseason success. Sure. What are you going to do? You're going to get a new coaching staff. You're not going to all of a sudden just get rid of all the players and start over fresh. You're going to get a new coaching staff and you're going to have a lot of these same players. He's also aware of the, the narrative. Oh, go ahead, Dave. No, no, no. KT, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I already got say, uh, today was also about, he's also aware of the narrative from fans and media too, that they lost the off season. Now they may not look at it as a big competition in the off season, but the narrative, they did lose in the off season. Uh, they, they are not a better team than they were. Now they can get there, I guess, if their defense is better than we thought, and you know things like that. But like, there's a big narrative that they lost the offseason, and I think that was a, why that was the you know the next footnote after the coaching thing is. So well, here's why these guys aren't here. Let me explain to you why they're not here because you guys all have been talking about it. It's just gra- trying to grab control of it, and a lot of those things is what this this day is about. Outside of you know selling tickets every now and then too. And kind of on the same note as the Jerry is not going to sit there and say that this could potentially be Mike's last season. You know, I asked Steven about them being amongst the league leaders in salary cap space. I think they're a little over 20 million. I think they only trail the Browns in terms of having the most salary cap space, something that nobody would ever think from the most valuable franchise in sports at the same time. So Steven talks about how they want to develop their younger players and how they can use some of that money. And Jerry mentioned carrying that money over because they obviously want to eventually pay Trayvon Diggs and Dak will have to come up for another contract and Parsons all that. But at the same time, like if they had an idea in their mind that, Hey, stuff doesn't start going right. Like immediately in the season, we're going to pull another Amari type move or we're going to make a trade for somebody. or We're going to do something like that. Like, what sense does it make saying anything about that at, at today's press conference? You know, why would you tell anybody that? So you're going to sit there and say, Hey, you know, the, the powder's dry or whatever like that. And you know, we got the opportunity to make moves and things like that. But like, why would you say if you did have something in mind, because then you're just telegraphing for every other team that basically, Hey, the Cowboys are looking for a trade for this position or that position. So, Hey, if they call you, you know, don't give away any bargains, man. Cause they're willing to pay a lot. They have the salary cap space. So I guess I'm just kind of getting at, as the way that I look at this roster right now, I just I would be very surprised if this exact roster is the one that takes them deep into the playoffs. Like I feel like if they go on some type of a run and and that I feel like at least one significant move is to be made between now and whenever that takes place. Oh wow. I just think and that's why and I mean, John, you you could be totally right. If maybe if they get hot, maybe if they have a better record than even they. Oh yeah, for bad, that's not happening. I'm saying right. If they start getting some momentum and they're like, "Hey, we had this piece. This might be the one that gets us past the Rams or the Bucks or whoever's there in the NFC." For sure, but that's I, and they would never say this. I I bet they would be offended by the idea. But what I keep saying is like, I just. I think of this year as like that it's almost like a trial run for the next year or two to come where they're like, okay, 
we trimmed some fat on our roster that we didn't want to have anymore. We freed up some cap space. Uh, we, we're going to need to use that on, on some of these young guys. We'll have another round of draft picks. And in the meantime, we've got this season where we're just going to throw these like 20, whatever players to the wolves and see who sinks and who swims. And by January, we'll have three to five guys that we know we can lean on. And then in 2023, that's when we try to be a a much better team than we are right now. Like that's my opinion of what they're doing anyway. Just imagine that being the goal. And and this season you're coaching for your job. That's awesome. Oh, I know literally. And like in that scenario, Mike McCarthy's like, well, like, well, will I be, will I be part of coaching the next one? Like, and Jerry's like, I don't know. Maybe it depends hey. on how good of a job you do. And I'll tell you right now, I'm, I've always said that like his first season was unacceptable. I don't care about the pandemic Dak, all that stuff like that. Last season, them not winning a playoff game wasn't acceptable. He was brought in to win playoff games. But if what you're saying ends up like is really what w- is the plan for this season, then that's messed up if they let him go after this year. Because mm. the best thing that he's done since he's been their coach is, I believe, get them headed in the right direction in terms of the developing of the roster like that, being more multiple on defense, allowing them to draft some players that they wouldn't have drafted in previous years and because it allows them to be more multiple to be where the league is going as opposed, as opposed to just being reaction, you know, reacting to trends of the past and things like that. I believe that his, his view on, on where the league's going and, and how to move forward is on point, including when he hired Mike Nolan, he just, Mike Nolan didn't get the job done, but I, I, that's what I think has been some of his. So if that is, that is the case. And they, and they are just, that is their plan in their mind, which is just seems so uncowboy like, but if that is it, where this is just a, a building year, then man, that's just not even right. If they replace them at the end of the year, they should at least want to see it through, you know, that would be wild if they were like, okay, you're, you're part of the trimming that we need to do here <laughs> moving into 2023. Yeah. But eh, Hey, I mean, you see it and you see it in other sports. I mean, when like guys move on, I mean, heck sure. look at John, John Gruden took over, uh, that Bucks team, uh, I think a lot about it in my own life with uh, being a Pistons fan with like Rick Carlisle had that team ready to roll. And then all of a sudden they hire Larry Brown. It's just like, thanks, Rick. Appreciate you. Larry, go ahead and take it, it from here. You know, yeah. so yeah, no, there's certainly things like that. I just, I don't know. I just can't believe they wouldn't let Mike see it through if it keeps well, heading in that right direction. You know, the flip side of that too is like, and I I haven't shied away from the Like I, I do think Mike is. He needs to, he need. he's coaching for his job. Like he needs to have a good productive sure. yeah. year to for keep sure. his job. But like, and I can hear, like, I don't think fans want to hear this, but like if the Cowboys go nine and eight, win the East, lose their first playoff game, but like Tyler Smith develops into like a star caliber O-lineman and uh, Oso Diggy Zua makes makes the Pro Bowl for the first a, a D tackle makes the Pro Bowl for the first time in a decade. If like if they have a disappointing season, but the team looks like it has collectively improved and they're ready to like make a jump, I could see them. I could see them bringing Mike back for a fourth year. That's Dude. not insane to me. Matt will let's go takes Tyron Smith's job from him. What? Yeah, nine, right, nine right here. Eight. Uh, nine and eight on, in this division on this schedule is not. Not good. Not good. Even KT, no I mean, credit, dude, for, no credit for this, being the first NFC East team to win back-to-back divisions in twenty years. Yeah, no KD, credit, no. no credit, KT. No, 
Do you remember last year before the year <laughs> no. when everyone when everyone was no, uh, no. Do you guys remember last year before the year when everyone was like, we'll watch how good Washington's gonna be? Yeah. We'll see. It's just uh hey, it's it's hard to imagine it's it's hard to imagine this team having a season that is going to like satisfy many people, which oh, to no. John's point, <laughs> to John's point, not to not to be a sunshine pumper, but that's kind of how people felt in 2014. And then all of a sudden it was like, holy hell, where what the where did this come from? But D- I would Dave be the sunshine pumper Hellman, Fox Sports. It's, that's me. I mean, I'm telling you, though, Dave, 16 was bad, too, though, because you just think of the 15, the way Tony was hurt all the time, and then he gets hurt again at the beginning of 16. I mean, honestly, I kind of just go back to just Zeke's body language when Romo went down in Seattle. Like, you're just kind of like, oh, my, what are we doing? Like, you know, like this is, you know, it seemed like that it was possibly going to be a lost season, too, back to back years. So 14 and 16 are the reasons why you, if you want to look for some optimism, it's that for sure. Yeah. And and you could just say, look, man, Halloween last year after Cooper Rush won that game after the bye week, we were six and one and we and the world was uh our oyster and we just didn't have a good couple of months once uh, Vic Fangio came in and exposed to the zone <laughs> defense. Yeah, I, uh, I sat in that in that press conference room in, in Minneapolis. I just remember that night more than any other night covering this team i was like are they gonna lose again like this team is amazing like cooper rush really came in here and beat the vikings in their own stadium like what the hell is going on dude it happened so fast you know what else i was remembering um so you had that falcons game where you like okay the broncos and the blueprint and all that talk whatever just a bad game we got down 30 nothing just a bad game we got the falcons now and you kill them 43 to 3 and two of the last three games of the season, you put up 50-plus points. Now, week 17, you lost by three to Arizona in a game which you're like, okay, we should beat this Arizona team that's not playing very well, that's still a playoff team, but they're not playing very well. We should beat them. And they, you just never had full belief going into the playoffs that you had figured out everything on offense that you needed to figure out. Even with putting up 50 on Washington in week 16, and 50 in week 18 in a game that didn't matter, of course, against Philadelphia. But it was like, you could go look at all those numbers and say, yeah, get look all the points we scored and all the yards we put up. It just didn't feel right after that Denver game. It never, never got back on track. Bummer. There was just a certain swagger earlier in the year and obviously culminating at uh, New England, you know, because a lot of people talk about the game winner to CeeDee Lamb, but man, there was there was a throw that Dak had on, on New England sideline at Cedric Wilson on fourth yeah, down. Yep. It was just crazy. Like, yep. and, yes. and, and the problem was is that when it got to that nut-cutting time later in the year, like the Arizona game, I was against San Francisco, you just never felt like they were going to make those plays. And those games were at home. Like that, that was the crazy part to me, like how many opportunities they got. And you're just like, yeah, you just make a couple plays here or there. This team's going to the divisional round, and who knows what happens when they get there, you know? And I don't know, just something was missing, so – I don't know. I I've always, I'll always believe that Dak just wasn't right. You know, that the, that the calf, you know, messed with him mentally and maybe even a little bit physically because just something wasn't, wasn't right there. Cause they, they had the horses ready to go and on the field for that team to make a playoff run. And I don't know for them not to do that. I bring that up because as a lot of reason for, I feel like myself and a lot of other people that follow this team are kind of like, yeah, well, this season could be okay. I don't know. I guess we'll we see. Go. 
if they weren't going to do it last year, I don't know why I'm going to sit here and, and certainly to have Jerry say today that, Oh, you know, uh, I feel even better than I did last year at this time. It's like, yeah, I understand what you're talking. He's, he's talking about Mike. Uh, obviously you didn't think that you were going to have this defensive beast. <laughs> I think this, KT, I think this video is posted, but okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that gesture was appropriate, but sorry for any kids that saw just that. Don't, just don't post the <laughs> private chat and we'll be fine. Jeez. Please don't post that. <laughs> what well, hey, we'll blur that out. I actually like the guy you don't like in the media. I don't understand. Shut up, KT. I love everybody in the media. <laughs> All right, let's go around. Everyone name somebody they don't like in the media. Okay. Yeah, easy. <laughs> What's your uh three, two, one, skip Bayless. Duh. Last cow uh, <laughs> uh, Nationals easy. <laughs> yeah. No the uh Last note I had here is Cowboys are bringing back the white helmets, of course. Um, but what's your favorite of these new helmets that's been revealed? Of the new ones? I got to be, I hate, I hate to sound like an old man, but all this crap with the everybody having a black helmet, I think is just ridiculous. I think it looks Let's, awful. Yeah, Saints um, helmet looks like trash. Jets helmet looks like trash. Washington helmet looks like trash. Falcons brought back the the red. I love the throwbacks. I love I love the Falcons uni, and then honestly, the uh, the Patriots throwbacks with the bright red and the white helmet as one of my that's one of my favorite looks. Those Cowboys ones that they're going to wear with the it looks like the the, with the color rush. Those yeah, those ones there uh, with the actual. It looks like the throwback helmet, but it's got is that is that confirmed? Is that confirmed happening? No, but I mean the NFL. So they're wearing a white helmet with just the regular sticker. Yeah, so they're going to do a lot of these on Thursday different. nights. Yeah, that's the only difference. Yeah, they're going to do a lot of these cool. on Thursday night games. Um, I, I actually, uh, it got killed by a lot of their fans. I actually thought the Bears with that that the weird red orange color. I actually kind of like that personally. I think they should wear the the blue jerseys though with the orange helmets. They're wearing orange on orange. And it's going to look look funky. Yeah. I'm a huge. I, fan I like of the, the Washington stuff. Washington just having the all black with the W on the front, kind of. We don't know what a commander looks like. We can't put it on the helmet. I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to like good college football or or good NFL uniforms and helmets. Like if you have a traditional, like great looking uniform or great helmet, like I don't usually like your alternates. Like if you're the Cowboys or like the Raiders, like you shouldn't, I don't know. You shouldn't really do any alternates. You already have like a great looking uniform, a great helmet. Like why, why change it up? I don't know. Right. I am. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm biased, clearly. But uh, these icy white Bengals uniforms are going to look pretty yeah, tight. Those are sweet. Are they going to look pretty tight when they come back down to earth and they just have an average season? As long as Joe plays well, I don't care. <laughs> I've tried to go All through right. my notes here to find out. Do we have to pick a halftime show for this year? Because I don't know if Dave got to pick. Oh, one. have we? Oh, we, we did. Thanksgiving game halftime pick. show. We didn't. So Dave, yeah, we we always try to guess what the Cowboys are going to have for how you, the Salvation how you, how Army you Red Kettle that? kickoff. How are you batting on that? Oh, we're, we're John not batting did it right well. last year. John did, did get it right. Kane Brown, right? <laughs> Why would he have guessed? <laughs> you no, had who me. was it? I thought you were serious for a sec. You know, you know who I said. I said it like twelve times. I said to baby. I was like, dude, he's been mega canceled, John. I was going to say, we got to keep debating. The Cowboys are not now. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'll go. I'll go, Jack Harlow this year. We're not picking yet. We, Jack we, we, Harlow. Oh, sorry. let's wait. 
let's wait till right before the season for our full. Don't we do a full thing? Don't we do it? We pick the division winner and like the early NFC pick for Super MVP. Bowl halftime is is Taylor Swift. Too big. Oh, too wait. big for the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Oh, Super Bowl? oh, of Super Bowl? No, yeah, no, we're talking perfect. Super yes. Bowl. I'm saying I said Super Bowl. Let's guess oh, the Super okay. Bowl if we're not going to. I don't do think Cowboys. there's. There's nobody that's ever performed in the history of performing that's too big for the halftime of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's I thought we were the Thanksgiving halftime game. Yeah, sorry, Denver guys, we couldn't get oh, over. Oh, Super Bowl halftime show, uh, Harry Styles. I'm, Harry Styles. I'm locking, uh, locking that in now. Or locking no. the Killers. The Vegas, the Killers, probably not big enough, oh, but maybe. It'll Vegas. Be, well, it'll be Harry Styles and the Killers. Will yeah, be I like can see it being multiple. Yeah. yeah. Well, good Lord, I you, someone will have to. Tie me to a couch. Casey will be there. He's <laughs> freaking out. The killers Casey. and Harry Styles. Throw in the polyphonic spree while you're at it. Did you bring the skeleton of Wayne Newton out there again? Like Dave Matthews, the draft? what? Did you guys hear that KT bought a Super Bowl ticket for $7,000 just to go to the halftime show? Amazing. Yes, 11 minutes of Harry Killers. Uh, wait, Harry Killers? That's weird. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go. Uh, guys, please uh, go to the rudder room and have a beer for me and get me a taco from Spencer McKenzie's and all the stuff that you guys get to do out there in the nice weather. A-holes. Um, just kidding. I, I hope you guys are doing great and have a good time. I love you. And it's uh, nice of you guys to avoid the heat for a while. Uh, we'll talk to you next week when we have a little more Cowboys news. If anything crazy happens, hopefully nothing uh, terribly eventful happens because it's usually bad news. Uh, at this point in training camp, but we will have an emergency podcast if we need to. That's Father John Machota at John Machota M A C H O T A. Follow him on the Athletic, of course. Uh, at David Hellman underscore at the end, right there. Now working over at Fox, but you've known him for years for his time at the Mothership. Also, our producer Kent Garrison and the Mad About Movies podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin, and uh, I hope everyone is awesome, and uh, take care, and we'll be back next week with more Cowboys coverage live from training camp. I appreciate your tenderness.